proceeding from the great commission given by Jesus to make disciples of all nations, the early church exploded and countless souls were made new by the atoning work of Christ. Dead hearts were made alive and churches sprouted up throughout the world. As a need for clear and concise biblical interpretation arose, the Reformed Confessions of the Faith were written and still have a major impact on the church today. The Confessional Collective desires to see healthy, theologically sound churches planted and on mission for the Kingdom of Christ. Welcome to the Confessional Collective. Welcome to the Confessional Collective, where truth meets mission. My name is Aaron Carr, and I am your host. Join with my partner in crime, Chris Santola, from the great state of California. Eh? Chris, how hey, you doing? Hey, what's going on, man? Hey, I'm good. How's everything out there in Michigan? Hey, you know what? Warmed up. 48 degrees. We're loving the sunshine, finally. Ooh, 48 degrees. People are it walking around. T-shirts and short weather. Oh, people are, like, walking around half naked, man. No... <laughs> oh, no. Out here, it's like this is swimming weather. You know what I'm saying? And people are just wow. like diving into the to the ponds and to the creeks and having a good old time. So today, I want to do something a little different. Uh, I wanted to take the time to digest a book um, specifically on the topic of prayer. I think uh, it's something we all are poor at. Would you agree with that, Chris? Like majority. Yes. I agree. There are probably some real prayer warriors out there, but when you look across the broad landscape of Christendom, we are not really great prayer warriors. We're not um, comfortable praying in the silence, and and uh, and I and I think it's something we all struggle with. So, what I wanted to do today was just tackle a book um, by a man by the name of Michael Reeves called "Enjoying Your Prayer Life." Now, Michael Reeves is an author and theologian. He's a historian and professor who teaches at the Wales Evangelical School of Theology, known as West. And he's the director of the Union, a West initiative that puts the Theological Academy back in the local church context. So this follows right in what we were talking about last week. Mm -hmm. And he has created uh, various um, books um, with the emphasis of focusing on how to minister to the local church. Um, some of those uh, titles are such as Delighting in the Trinity, The Unquenchable Flame, Discovering the Heart of the Reformation, The Breeze of the Centuries, just to name a few. But this particular book was given to me by one of our church planners, and he said, you got to read this thing. And so as soon as I saw the name, I was like, yeah, I love Michael Reeves' stuff. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to digest this. Well, it's only 46 pages, so literally you can do, read it in one setting, right? And yes. Chris and I both have read the book, and we want to come and kind of look at it through our lens, our struggles um, in regards to prayer, and hopefully it'll be a blessing to you, the hearer. Um, and obviously, we would love for you to send your questions or your, uh, your thoughts on what we're discussing, just to kind of make it more of a, a meaty discussion with our podcast community. But as we do this, I just want to start on one of the major foundations in the Reformed community, which is the issue of prayer itself. Now, when, when people typically come to the doctrine of prayer, they categorize it real quickly into one of the means of grace. I, I hear right. that done often. It, oh, it's a means of grace, the word, sacrament, and prayer. Um, but strictly speaking, uh, Louis Burkhoff uh, points out correctly that strictly speaking, 
Only the word and the sacrament can be regarded as a means of grace. That is, as objective channels which Christ has instituted in the church, he says, and to which he ordinarily binds himself in the communication of his grace. And so, unpacking that for a second, we categorize prayer as a means of grace. And here, Louis Burkhoff is making clear that, strictly speaking, it doesn't belong there. And I think some of the confusion has come when you look at the Westminster Larger Catechism, and it makes this statement. What are the external ways Christ uses to bring the benefit of his mediation? The ordinary external ways Christ uses to bring the benefits of his mediation to the church are his regulations, particularly the word, sacrament, and prayer, all of which are made effectual for salvation of his chosen ones. And so there's this idea that prayer is part of the mediation of Christ, part of the blessing of Christ, but it's not a means of grace is what Louis Burkhoff is saying. And would you say that you think, Chris, that a lot of people somehow just, they do, they lump these all together and here's this distinction that maybe we're missing and we're not fully understanding what prayer is about or what prayer is really doing. Right. I mean, I think when it comes to the means of grace, uh, to begin with, most people, uh, many, uh, especially just, uh, you know, kind of evangelical Christians don't, and maybe even of any Reformed, uh, don't really understand what we're talking about when we say uh, of word and sacrament that they are a means of grace. Uh, I think there's probably a lot of misunderstanding out there about that. And so I think Burkhoff's uh, definition there is helpful and uh I, I do think that when it comes to prayer specifically, that it does tend to get sort of lumped in there, likely because maybe uh, we're, we're not understanding exactly what is meant by that. But it is definitely something as well that is ne neglected in the life of the church to a great degree. Um, we would think about a word, hey, awesome, I'm in the word, I'm sitting under the preaching of the word, uh, sacrament, yes. Uh, been baptized, I participate regularly in the Lord's Supper, prayer. Hmm. Well, <laughs> <laughs> isn't that how it is a lot of time? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and, and we have this idea that, well, I need to pray. I, I, it's, it becomes a duty. It's a responsibility. And even I, when we're discipling people, we kind of pitch it that way. Hey, you need to be praying. Hey, you need a quiet time. Hey, you need to be in the word. You know, are you praying before you eat? You know, all those types of things. <laughs> and uh, I think we have to be careful because we're 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 treating prayer in in a way that it, it's not meant to. Um, and so that obviously drives us to the question: Well, then, what is prayer? Right. Right. And so I want to read the larger catechism and the shorter catechism from the Westminster. And you're going to see that they say very similar things, but there's a slight difference. The Westminster larger catechism, question number 78. Prayer is offering our desire to God in the name of Christ with the help of his spirit, confessing our sins and thankfully recognizing his mercies. Listen to Westminster shorter catechism, 98. Prayer is offering our desires to God in the name of Christ for the things that agree with his will, confessing our sins and thanking 
re- thankfully recognizing his mercy. So there's obviously this, this, this thankfulness in prayer. There's the confession of sin in prayer. And then the Westminster sense draw, draws out this idea of agreeing things that agree with his will. Whereas the um, larger catechism kind of camps out on the, in the name of Christ and with the help of his spirit um, is kind of how this prayer works if i could say it that way mm-hmm. how, how prayer uh is beneficial and this is where i really believe dr reeves picks up in his book when he gets to the specifics of the privilege of praying that we're in christ and we get to pray in christ's name and we're given the spirit and the spirit helps us in prayer to confess to be thankful uh to 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 um to to just to be in communion with god which centers clearly um, upon the doctrine of adoption. Right. And I think that's the thing we have to remember. Prayer is a benefit of adoption. And to make this point, when Jesus is teaching the disciples how to pray, his famous statement right at the beginning, our father. <laughs> and, right. you know, and we don't... how amazing is that? Yeah, <laughs> we have access to come and say our father. Now, we don't believe in the universal fatherhood of God, that he is the father of everyone. He's the creator of everyone. He is the creator of everyone. But he is not the father of everyone. It's those in whom are in Christ, who've been adopted into the family of God. And this is a big deal. And when we think about the Lord's Prayer and our Father, uh, Reeves goes on to say, prayer is enjoying that the Father really is our Father. I love that statement. Prayer is enjoying that the Father really is our Father. And I guess that kind of stems over very quickly to the idea of what the Spirit does in us, where he allows us to cry out, Abba, Father, Abba, Daddy, as some have said. And with the idea of Abba, Father, that we're in relationship. There's communion here. So I think we got to put prayer in its proper perspective. It's a privilege, not a duty. Right. I mean, you know... As you mentioned there uh, in the Lord's Prayer, as it's commonly known, I mean, it starts off, Our Father. You know, if, if we were in the pulpit, we'd stop right there and go, let's stop and talk about this. <laughs> I mean, that is a uh, a, a pregnant phrase uh, for and an amazing thing that Jesus would teach us to, that, that Jesus would teach us to pray, Our Father. Um, I think that uh, as he does that, Jesus has always been in existence, co-eternal with the Father, and he is now inviting us into that relationship, uh, Reeves says in his book, and to just think about that, um, that in our adoption in Christ, what we are receiving relationally, uh, that that we are being invited into that same uh, familial relationship uh, that we might call God Father. Um, I don't think that's something that was commonly done. Uh, and yet Jesus, you know, amongst uh, Israel up until that time, uh, they wouldn't have called God Father. Um, they would have called him by his covenant name. Uh, they called him the Lord, but not Father. And yet Christ comes and invites us to pray in this way, our Father. Yeah, that's that's incredible. 
and it's and it's interesting as you think about again the larger catechisms aspect. We pray in the name of Christ because of our connection to Him and then adoption in Him, um, but also this idea of the Spirit's help. It's the Spirit who brings us together uh, to Him as Father in the family. Therefore, we're praying together with Christ. Reeve says as brothers and sisters before our Father, and yeah. that picture really captured me that. This is a family gathered around, if you will, the recliner of dad as he's sitting there. And, and we are in, in an intimate relationship communicating with him um, and, and expressing our thankfulness, confessing our sins, um, but knowing that we're accepted in Christ and that we are part of the family. Yeah. And, you know, God delights in our prayer. Uh yeah, I think that's one of the things is sometimes when people come to God in prayer, they kind of view God as being very resistant and hesitant and, you know, maybe even like, you know, unwilling to hear them or undesirous of their prayers. And, uh, you know, yet the scripture tells us that God delights in our prayers and that he is attentive to them, uh, that, that he hears us, that the spirit intercedes for us. And I, I can't remember who it was. For some reason, I'm thinking it was Luther who said that, uh, you know, prayer is not uh, trying to uh, go against God's uh, resistance, but laying hold of his willingness, something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's great. That's great. Um, Reeves points out in the book in Mark chapter 9, verse 36 to 38, it's where Jesus asks us to pray for workers of the harvest. And he says in his own words, this really... Um, kind of was jaw-dropping for him because he began to look at that, that Christ didn't need us to pray for that, but he wants us to join into it, to be praying for what he's praying for, to be part of that family request. And I just love that, that we're joining in to the things. And that goes, of course, back to we're praying for things that are agreeable to God's will. And yeah. that family... Um, relationship that we're we're coming together as the body of Christ and we're praying um, for what Christ desires and what the Father desires and it's the Spirit working in us to desire that and just that 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 communion that we're experiencing through prayer what a privilege man what a privilege that we get to experience that no absolutely I think you know, as you mentioned, a lot of people just struggle with how they even come to God in prayer. Uh, there's a lot of stuttering and not quite sure how to do this. And I think one of the reasons for that is we think of it kind of mechanically, that we're just supposed to go before God and, you know, ask him for stuff. And that's it. And that's where you get a whole lot of the, you know, Father just... If you would just, Lord, just, you know, <laughs> kind of thing, rather than how how would you talk to your father uh, reverently, uh, but knowing that he is attentive, that, that you have his ear, that he loves you and cares for you and desires to hear from you and to speak to him as a person, not a, in some type of mechanical sort of way that this is just the task I have to do is make sure that I'm saying stuff to God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, as, as it says in scripture, if, if our earthly fathers know how to give us good things, 
it's surely if we ask for an egg, we're not going to get a scorpion from God. And right. it's that because of that relationship, the goodness of God, the benevolence of God as our father, as our loving, gracious father. And but yet we still deal with this obstacle that most of us, even though we may know that theoretically, we mm-hmm. don't experience that. Maybe we we pray and things aren't answered. So we begin to lose uh, some some desire to pray. Maybe it's just difficult. It's hard to stay focused and and be quiet. And 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 right here in the middle of this, Reeves again speaks. He says this statement: Christians who are not enjoying communion with God, then are selling a product they really don't believe in. Oh, that's a punch in the gut. Oh, I remember I was reading that and I'm going, oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. Yeah, we're well, s- go ahead. I was going to say, oh, I mean, that's why you know, it's been said that prayerlessness is really practical atheism. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and and again, he pulls out right off of that, this idea of what John Calvin said, which is that prayer is the chief exercise of faith. And I know that especially hit you as we were talking off mic. You said, man, that was one of the statements that really that grabbed you. Just kind of uh, expound on that for a minute. Well, it's funny because the first time I had read Calvin's statement, prayer is the chief exercise of faith, it kind of took me back a little bit. And I said, huh, I'm going to have to think about that a little bit. Where is he going with that? And so one of the things I appreciated that uh, Reeves kind of dealt with that and just sort of expounded upon it a little bit and explained where he was going with that, that really as we pray, that that is the, the chief expression of our faith of taking us back to the very foundational truths of the gospel, such as our adoption in Christ and the relationship we now have with God, and exercising faith in that relationship, in who Christ has made us, who he is for us as our uh, intercessor who brings us to God, and that, uh, that we're expressing faith that God hears us and responds favorably to our prayers. And yet, and yet the reality of it, as I live it out, I still don't pray. And then I start to feel guilty. And then I start to think, well, I'm not worthy to pray because I'm, I'm not good enough. I've sinned today. All these things begin to really play into it. And then when you tell me I need to pray and, in, and by not praying, I'm showing my practical atheism. Now, all of a sudden I feel like, man, am I even a believer? <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and then. Reeves speaks right into the middle of that, doesn't he? He, he, he makes it very clear that uh, by not praying, he's not suggesting our security is, is, uh, is, is, uh, is, is uh, what am I trying to say? That we, we, that we can't have security or that right. our security, security isn't the issue. Yeah, it's not being attacked. But it's more about where you're at in your spirituality, in your, in your walk, in that you really aren't as spiritual or as mature as you think you are. And your prayer life definitely testifies to that because your faith is still weak. And you see that as Jesus was talking with the disciples. He constantly would draw them back to the importance of prayer. They saw his dependence upon prayer, but yet they still fully didn't get it. You know, And, and, yeah. and they had to be matured in the faith in that way. And so... Um, he really, he really ultimately grabs a hold of this, and then he talks about how the enemies are working against us. Of course, if if prayer is vital and prayer is important in the sense of it's our chief 
um, it's our chief duty, or excuse me, a chief act of faith, then ultimately it would make sense that the world, the flesh, and the devil <laughs> are all working against that. And I think that's oh, where the that's where the struggle is, right? I mean, it's the world, the flesh, and the devil. There's no time. I'm too tired, and the devil's not going to make it convenient. He's going to create doubts and concerns and me to feel like I'm not worthy. Yeah, everything is always going to be working against that because it is really something that is so close to the heart of our faith. And I like what you said there earlier, that uh, this this really is something that tells us of where we're at in our maturity, because while we certainly uh, accept the Christian faith as a religion, you know, or we're not those who say, oh, it's just all about a relationship, um, you know, kind of thing. It is still, you know, we don't want to swing totally the other direction either. Um, it is very much about a relationship. And that relationship is the one that we are brought into uh, by the Holy Spirit as he unites us with Christ and adopts us into the family of God. And we now have that privilege of calling God Father. That is absolutely relationship. And uh, so I think as we, we look at that, we have to recognize that it is possible to go through a lot of the outward stuff uh, that we are called to do, and sometimes that's even easier to do. But, but prayer is so at the heart of it that we are communing with God, uh, that we have such a, a, a privilege at to, to do that and access to do that. And, uh, you know, I think that that is something that we need to make sure that we keep in checks because it is really easy to get into more of the uh, the side of our faith that is the, the religious aspect and neglect that relational aspect. Because prayer itself is rooted in the gospel. It's a benefit of, of the of the of the work of Christ and in, in, in the sense that we are now adopted into the family of God and we have access and, 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 in the, in the, and our ability isn't I'm good enough to pray or I've been good enough this week to be heard by God, but I'm heard because of Jesus. And as I stand in clothed in the righteousness of Christ and, and, and have received my um, adoption as his, as his co-heir, I have a right and a privilege to come before the Father and know that I'm being heard. Yeah. And, and the Holy Spirit is given to me that even when I don't know what to say, He's he's speaking um, on my behalf and through me. And and what a privilege that is to know that that communion is something the Holy Spirit is working out on our behalf through us. Yeah, (laughs) it's funny. I mean, we really have to preach the gospel to ourselves as we we come to God in prayer, uh, reminding ourselves of what we believe of who Christ is and. And what we believe he has done for us, reminding ourselves of that good news uh, as we come to God in prayer. Yeah, because this this is available to us only because of Jesus. But because of Jesus, it is available to us. And so we got to keep coming back to the fact that it's all of grace as found in Christ. And we can come confidently and boldly to the throne of grace. And without shame um, and, and, and knowing that we're being heard. G.I. Packer wrote it this way. He says in the book, and and I'm glad that Reeves grabbed Packer. I'm a huge Packer fan. and, And this is what he says. If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, 
find out how much they make of the thought of being God's child. Whew. Right? I mean, do I really think enough of being God's child that that I am his and 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 that should impact everything. That should change everything, the way I pray, yeah. the way I live, the way I think, um my desires. It, it it should just spill over into every aspect of who I am. And especially in our topic here today, prayer. Especially prayer. And you know, there's such a joy to be found in this too. Um, that, that Christ invites us into in prayer. Uh, I remember saying some time ago, it is a, a pitfall to get into this place in our relationship with the Lord, in our faith, where we very much see ourselves as a servant of God and neglect our understanding and uh, and neglect that aspect of our faith that tells us that we are made sons of God. That uh, if we lose that perspective, that we are not merely servants, we are sons. Huh. That it's, it really is something that will rob you of your joy. And it, you keep walking down that road, and God begins to seem like this merciless taskmaster. That, uh, you know, we're, we're always going up against his hesitance uh, and his resistance, rather than uh, coming to him with joy and assurance and laying hold of his willingness. Uh, and it really affects the way we see God. Yeah, and it's it's that battle of how the flesh always falls into a dutiful kind of mindset. It's how the world presses in us, pull yourselves up by your bootstraps, you know, you got to earn mm -hmm. what you're going to get. And the devil always trying to tell us we're not worthy, we're not acceptable, we can never be forgiven, we can never stand. And so you can see this attack that, the, that all of this is playing upon our prayer life. No wonder... It's such a struggle, but no kidding. <laughs> but what a what a re realignment that Reeves offers in this book to say, hey, this isn't a duty, this is a privilege, and come back to that, and come back to the richness and the benefit of the gospel, and knowing that you get to pray, and you are being heard, and you're communing in the in through the spirit in into what the father and the son the conversation they have one with another we get to be part of that that's yeah. mind blowing what a privilege and to know that the spirit's at work in us and and you know obviously Reeves hits a few of these topics he talks about the fact that the spirit is testifying to our spirits that we are the children of god as you've already stated the Spirit is transforming us also to be like Christ. He helps us to be dependent and prayerful. He brings us to, as Reeve says, a, uh, an understanding of the father-son relationship. He brings us to share in that, in its purpose, in God's purpose. Um, and then obviously he, he, he hits one more topic. He says, the Spirit brings us together to him as the father in the father's family. Therefore, we are to pray together with Christ as brothers and sisters before the father and I, that whole idea we come together that's why i think the prayer meeting of a church is so important it's coming together and aligning our our desires with the desires of christ praying for workers for the harvest yeah. um i don't think we we see that as man i should be linking arms with other brothers and sisters in christ because this is this is our family language this is our family um privilege that we get to come before the throne of grace and yeah. pray boldly and that's one of the other things you notice there in the Lord's Prayer is he doesn't say to pray my father, not to say you can't pray my father, 
but he says, our father, uh, that, again, it emphasizes we're brought into this community, this family of the faith, and that we get to partake together in prayer for one another, not only for our own uh, needs and uh, and desires, but also for the rest of the body of Christ that we are uh, brought together as the family of God with. Some of the hindrances that often happen when you're discipling someone, we alluded to this at the very beginning of this talk on prayer, is that things like we, we begin to emphasize the duty aspect. Hey, you need to be praying before you eat. You need to pray in the morning. You need to have a prayer time at night before you go to bed. And maybe you should keep a prayer journal. Hey, you know, there's prayer apps you can use. Why don't you do that? And he mentioned some of that in the in the book. And it really struck me that we 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 teach people that prayer is a duty, the way we communicate about prayer, the way we instruct yeah. about prayer. And I think this little 46-page book brings it back to the gospel, and it realigns the discipler to be thinking about, how am I communicating prayer to the people I'm trying to pour into? Yeah. And yeah. And it- I, I loved going through this because, I mean, it's not long. Like you said, it's like 46 pages, but it is rich. It is a robust little read. And in such a succinct way, he brings it back to the gospel, just the simplicity of who we are in Christ and reveals it to be a joy that, that this is something that, uh, like you said, we should see as a privilege and a joy rather than something that is uh, a labor and a burden. You know, prayer simply said is practicing the blessedness of the gospel. It's the bless. It's the practicing the fruit of the gospel. And that's the great aspect of this thing is I get to practice the fruit of the gospel as I pray, as I join in, as the spirit is working in me as because I'm accepted because of Christ everything's changed and I know that I'm heard. What, why would I not want to participate? Why would I not want to join with my brothers and sisters together and pray to our father, um, based upon what Christ has done and the spirit is doing in us. Um, I would only encourage our listeners, take it up and read, uh, this book, um, enjoy your prayer life by Michael Reeves, 46 pages that will bless you. I'm sure. So with that, I guess we're signing off. And we want to say have a great week, and uh, we'll, we'll be back at you next week. Have a good week, guys. Thanks for listening to the Confessional Collective Podcast. For more information and resources, please visit confessionalcollective.com. And be sure to like our Facebook page.